Hey, listeners, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We have talked about what we consider the bad one, so we thought we'd revisit the 1999, I'll call the fun version of this series, and go back and watch The Mummy with Brennan Fraser. And, you know, Rob, we we had talked about doing these for a, for a while, actually, and I think we've said multiple times, like, man, we're we're surprised we've never done this series. And going back and and rewatching this today, now I I've watched this movie a lot. Like, this is one of those movies that I will really oddly just periodically turn on just because I see it um, when it was when it's on a streaming platform. Um, but man, I'll, I'll tell you what. This movie, and I'll I'll wait to get into complete details, but this movie is a, to me, a shining example of what can happen when you have really, really likable characters and a cast that seems like they're having a good time and has chemistry, because this movie is not perfect by any means. Um there are some things wrong with it, but man, I, I was thinking to myself, looking at this from like a critical standpoint to talk about it, that in a, in a weaker movie with a, or well, with a weaker cast doing this, there would be things that I would not like about this movie. And that's exactly what we talked about with the 2017 version of the mummy with Tom Cruise. But man, this movie overcomes some, what I would say are some pretty significant flaws um, in certain aspects, but this cast just, you cannot help but be in love with them. 100%. You know, this is funny. You mentioned, like, we've talked about this series on again, off again, almost as long as I've been coming on the air to talk about movies. Like, at some point, this has come up that we've wanted to do this, and for whatever reason it just it hasn't been until right now that we've decided to go ahead and do it and honestly if you look back at the last few months of some of the absolute turd piles that we've been watching right. i kind of feel like we owe it to ourselves just to watch something that was just a, a total blast it was a lot of fun i mean when is when have you ever watched this movie and regretted the decision like never it never like who out there has ever been like i think i'm gonna put on the mummy turned it off and was like I think that was a bad idea. I should have watched something else. Like nobody has ever done that. And you mentioned the cast 100%, the way that they interact with one another, even characters that just meet, you know, it, it's really, um, they, they just work together. They absolutely work together in ways that it, it, it takes a lot of pieces, right? So if you, you have to have a good story, you have to have a good vision, you have to have good storytelling, and you have to have the cast that can sell it. And this movie has a lot of kind of weird things. It's got some genre tropes of that action adventure period piece, but it's like you kind of look past some of the things that don't work because you're having so much fun. There's enough seriousness and there's enough to, to create stakes. You know, a lot of it is done sort of off camera with shadows, like the murders and things like that. You really don't see a lot of like true gore per se. So it's not like you have to have like the distraction of the gross out of gore from, from a traditional horror film. So you've got enough of that to make the stakes seem real. And you've got enough humor to, to keep it lighthearted. Cause this is ultimately a lighthearted movie, but there's not so much, 
that it feels silly. It never crosses over into silliness. Even the score really helps keep the tone of all of the major action set pieces where it needs to be. There's there's stakes, but it's but you never take it too seriously. And and just the way that this group of actors plays off one another and just you said it, it they seem like they are having fun making this movie. And I have fun every time I've watched this movie. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it is. It, it's crazy how I will like come back to this movie time and time again. But, you know, it also makes me sit there and you sit there and go, man. It certainly he's had, you know, a resurgence and people will say, you know, what they will about uh, Batwoman getting canceled. Um, but, man, I, I'll tell you what, you almost forget how charming and lovable Brendan Fraser was. Back oh, my during, God, I like, know. <laughs> back during this time frame. Um I kept thinking that as I was rewatching this is like, why did he ever go away from, from like just being in movies all the time? Like who have you ever heard is like, you know what? I I could take or leave Brendan Fraser. Like I'm not into him. I think he sucks. Like nobody's ever said that. Why did this guy go away? Why, why did we not have 10 of these movies instead of 10 fast and furious movies? Like I know the third one eventually we'll talk about it. Isn't great. But if you look at how much is there and how much works for this, it almost seems inconceivable that we only got three of these and that there was a period of time where Brendan Fraser wasn't in a blockbuster movie every year. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly I've heard some, some reasons why he was out of Hollywood. Some of them are actually, you know, kind of messed up, kind of messed up. Um, and I, I think certainly too, there was the hope that after the mummy returns and the scorpion King, you know, that's bef- before, before, you know, Dwayne Johnson, the rock became this huge movie star, uh, you know, 1999 when the mummy returns came out and everything like that, you know, that's when everybody was thinking the rock was going to be a huge movie star. And he was doing things like, uh, the game plan and, um, and not that I don't mind any of his, you know, not that I don't like any of his early movies, but I, I think after the mummy returns and then the scorpion King, I think the reason we never saw more of these, uh, one, the third one didn't do very well, but two, I, I think they really were looking to hand this franchise over, unfortunately, because they thought, you know, oh, well, The Rock's going to be this huge movie star right now, and we'll do things with the Scorpion King, which didn't really pan out. But I, I don't know if that's true, but I think to me, I, I feel like that was their intention. Kind of like they did with blade Trinity. They really made that movie to try and spin that off. And not only that, I mean, they, they tried to spin off the character of the scorpion King overall. So he had his standalone film, which it's interesting. If you, if you look at that, I mean, that was, I I believe the rocks first, like, like leading role where he was the lead character. If I'm not mistaken, unless you're thinking of something, I'm not. Was that before walking tall? I think it had to have been. And what's amazing is if you look, if you rewatch that movie, and I haven't seen it in a while, but he's got more fight scenes than he does lines. And that's intentional because at that stage of his career, he could not act like camera acting, you know, say what you will about his wrestling acting, but for camera, he was bad and he's certainly come a long way. But after that they did. So before streaming for, for listeners who were like, 
younger millennials or, or Gen Z that never really had like a blockbuster or, or something like that, or the equivalent in your town uh, of, you know, your local video store, there was such a thing as a straight to video and that, you know, before streaming, you know, and, and honestly, like streaming movies don't really have the negative connotation that sometimes they once did. I mean, Netflix's internal studio has cranked out some pretty pretty good things. I mean, we've talked about a few of them here and there. Um, Hulu has got some, some great exclusives. There's, so there's been some pretty good stuff, but back in the day, if you created a straight to video movie, it meant that it wasn't good enough for a theatrical release. Nobody was going to pay for a ticket for it. So you would just release it straight to video. And they did a sequel to the Scorpion King that went even further back. And it had, it had Randy Couture in it as one of the Mm -hmm. uh, primary villains. Matt, did you ever see it? It's terrible. Uh, So yeah, I actually did watch because it was during one of my like kicks of just watching bad movies where I was just going through, like for whatever reason, I was just going on the weekend and going through consistently bad movies. Um, They've actually made, I think I saw the like three or four, I think. <laughs> uh, let's see. The Scorpion King, the Scorpion King 2, the Scorpion King Battle for Redemption, and the Scorpion King Quest for Power. So they've made four of these. Um, Which is three more than they should have. <laughs> yeah. And I, I saw the second one, and I believe I saw part of the third one. Um, which has Billy Zane and Ron Perlman in it and Dave, oh, wow. Bati- and Dave Batista, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, oh, and Kimbo slice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't even know that, but Randy uh, Gator literally relinquished the UFC heavyweight title yes. while he was on the set filming the second Scorpion King movie because he is contractual things. And that's another show for another day, but he thought he was going to be a big movie star and the Scorpion King two was the movie he was working on when he thought that was going to be a thing for him. Um, well, how did that turn out? Yeah, no. Yeah. They made four of these. I'm, I might have to just go watch the other ones, but yeah, no, the Scorpion you might King, be on your own. On I know. Right. Yeah, no, that'll be one of those. I just watch for the, the sake of watching it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, my God, man, that, that was, man, I I tell you the Scorpion King two was just so bad and not that the first one was great. Oh, they made another one called Scorpion King book of souls. That's part of the same universe. Oh, wow. As demanded by who exactly? Yeah. As you're, you are correct. As demanded (laughs) by who? Yeah. Wow. Anywho, <laughs> let's let's get back to the good one. But yeah, uh, so that's literally in my notes. I have the mummy comma good one is how I have this labeled. Yeah. And, you know, it, it starts off with um, and, and here's what I'll say. It, it starts off with a 4K. And sometimes this has has been the case. Uh, certainly for me, this was the case with Independence Day when we went back and watched it. But. You know, some of these movies that have 4K transfers um, doesn't do the old effects a lot of favors. And some of the some of the CGI in this movie is pretty bad. Um, now, Emotep, I think, is done very, very well. But there are certain things like that opening scene um where they're talking about Emotep and Anax in a moon and they're, you know, they're showing all of the pyramids to me. It's not that great looking. 
Um, there, there's certainly some green screen there that you can very, very clearly see. But again, it's it's overweighed by the fact that you're just having fun in this movie. And even for 1999, like the mummy effects in this movie are really well done, especially after Emotep is resurrected where he's transforming from just bones to like getting flesh and everything in between. For the most part, I was impressed with how well this, this actually held up. We've watched movies that have come out in the last two or three years with worse CG than what we saw here from 1999. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And that's, that's really saying something. I, I made a note. Uh, towards the beginning of the movie, you know, when we really first meet Rick O'Connell when he's in the, I think he's in the French foreign Legion or whatever that is he's in. And we have, it's like, it's just so nice to see an army of real people on horses instead of a cheap CG one. Mm -hmm. And I might just be an old man yelling at a cloud here, but it just always feels more real to me when it is real. And there's so often in, in this movie in, in, you know, again, released in 1999 before visual effects were, and I'm using air quotes here as good as they are now. And it got to be less expensive really is what it comes down to than paying a stunt guy to actually get lit on fire. You think about that boat scene a little bit further into the movie where the, the fire starts and there's multiple fire burns in this movie that are real fire burns. That's a real stunt man with, you know, a real crew around that, that burn. And, Today, that would just be all CG and it would look terrible, but that was a real fire burn and it was so effective. And just the the impact of seeing real people on real camels and real horses at the beginning of this instead of digital extras. Um, God, it, it made me nostalgic. Like, that's how things used to be. Like, why why can't we go back to that? This was better. Yeah, it it was better. And it's again, it just it, like it, it gets cheaper or whatever the case may be. But when it feels realistic, that's when that's when you're in it. And again, as lighthearted as this movie is, there does feel like there's stakes. And that's something that this movie did so well at balancing where the the mummy that we just talked about doesn't know how to, it it doesn't know how to balance it because it has weirdly like mistimed humor where the movie is supposed to be incredibly serious where this movie, even though it's lighthearted, there's still some dark, you know, some darker tones to it. You know, when they, uh, when the, the diggers get the, the acid burn from opening up the chest, you know, that that's pretty graphic. Certainly there's, you know, bodies that get their freaking very life sucked out of them. And there's detail in that. Um, so there's dark moments in this movie, but it plays those different genres and it plays the humor very well. And again, it's because of it's because of the cast, because all of them work in this movie. I, I mean, it's not only Brendan Fraser and he's he's great. He is fantastic in this movie. But Rachel Weiss, even Arnold Voslo as Emotep, you know, I don't always particularly think of him as great. I, I don't think he's awesome. But John Hannon as Jonathan, he's 
I, he's fantastic in this movie. I like him. I like his relationship with Evie. I like how, you know, he is really, really like a coward. He's not a tough guy. He's not a fighter. But when they first get to the dig site and they all have their guns drawn on each other and they're like, this is our site, friend. And they're like, well, we got here first. And oh, well, we have more guns than you. And Rick O'Connell's like, I've had worse odds. And Jonathan goes, so have I. And just like the look that Rick shoots him, it's just like, it's funny. And he plays this very well. Again, that'll be a conversation for another time. But that's part of the reason why The Mummy 3 did not work for me is because of the change in actress from when Rachel Weisz decided not to come back and be Evie. Um her chemistry with Brendan Fraser is off the charts in this movie. It's fantastic. Um, and in the scenes with her and Jonathan together are, are really good too. You buy them as kind of this, this really unique brother sister relationship that it's got its strains as, as all familial relationships do, but there's real care there. Mm-hmm. The, there's just so much that works with this. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, Arnold Vosloo that plays Imhotep. He he really impressed me with this. I kind of had forgotten how good I thought he was in this, but he speaks no words of English in this whole movie. And yet the way he's able to convey a level of evil charisma without and really even the the dialogue he does speak is very limited it's mostly through facial expressions that he's able to execute what he does and and is a very i would say an iconic villain of this period of time i i really was like wow i kind of forgot how good he was in this and and overall i was like wow i kind of forgot how good this movie was overall like just why have i waited it's it might be 10 years since the last time i've seen this movie to oh, be wow. honest and it's like why did I wait this long? And and you can really see kind of the inspiration the Pirates of the Caribbean series took from this kind of movie where they they have some of those horror elements, some of those macabre elements while still keeping it fairly lighthearted and, and keeping the adventure and having the supernatural elements, but still making it feel grounded like it's in the real world. I really got a lot of those kind of same vibes as when we watched Pirates of the Caribbean. What was it? Two summers ago, three summers ago. How long ago was that? Now we, we did that whole series. I believe and too. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, I, I was just really kind of uh, feeling those sort of vibes and that's usually a good place. Yeah, no, it's it, this, this is actually a good movie. Now there's some, there's some cheesy dialogue, uh, but again, the characters deliver it. Uh, this is, I, I'm going to say this one more time. This is a movie where the cast makes it believable. We have seen what some people would consider better actors and actresses do worse with dialogue. But for whatever reason, Everybody in this, it's like a perfect storm. Everybody in this movie lined up, whether it was the, you know, I don't know if the directing had something to do with it, just how it was on set, if it was just loose. And again, like everybody was having a good time, so they were into it. But some of the things in this movie would crush, you know, what we would consider a good movie or something we would say, eh, yeah, this is where I was disappointed. This is where the movie really fell short for me. Now, 
in, in, a, in a joking manner when breaking this thing down, I think we can both agree um, the Magi suck at their job. A hundred percent. They are not good at what they do. And it's like, you had one job, right? <laughs> you had one job and they show up and they, and this is the, like my, probably my biggest beef with this is yes, they suck at this really bad. They show up, they stop them from opening the thing and they're like, all right, well, that's probably enough bloodshed. So we're just going to leave and let you guys do whatever you're going to do. And we're just going to make you pinky swear that you're actually not going to touch the curse right. thing. That's going to kill everybody. Pinky swear. All right, cool. We're out of here. See ya. Uh, deuces. And, uh, uh, then they leave and then all hell breaks loose. And then the one other complaint that I have, and it's, and it's Magi related is that they go from, literally shooting and killing each other and watching their blood brothers get taken down in a hail of bullets to being BFFs with the people that pulled the trigger to begin with. They do that move pretty quick. And I understand it's a move of convenience, but man, that, that, that sure happens pretty quick right now. Here's the thing. I noticed that, but really I don't care. Cause this movie's just fun. Right. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And like, it doesn't matter at all because I literally don't care what happens <laughs> after is, is really fun. And then again, just like switching back, there's, you know, the scene where they do leave. Okay. Like once Emotep is, uh, is resurrected and they leave the pyramid, like all of that is fun. And there's horror elements involved where his hand comes popping up out of the sand. That is, that is fantastic. I love that. The eclipse coming over. Mm. That is great. When they are cornered and they're trying to get away on the street. All like all of that really, really works well. And just, you know, again, Brendan Fraser, charming, good looking guy, great build, but he can pull off the role of like, okay. Like he's a charmer, he's a ladies' man. But when Emotep is going to take Evie and she's gonna go with him to save everybody, and he just says, like, he's got the gun and he's like, I'll be seeing you. I'm like, Yeah, you're a badass, dude. Like, and he's shown that earlier in the movie, but he just he plays this role so well, man. Like I I cannot say enough for Brendan Fraser in this movie. In the cinematic history of damsels and scoundrels, the pinnacle is always and will always be Han and Leia, right? Like that's that is the standard by which you judge all other versions of that relationship and those types of characters in movies. But I'll tell you, Rick and Evie make their case to be on Mount Rushmore of of, you know, the the damsel and scoundrel kind of. Uh, relationship that we see on screen. And I got a lot of those kind of vibes too. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. I don't mean that in a way that I think they ripped anything off, you know, from, from the way that those characters were portrayed. This is the, this is their own interpretation of that kind of, you know, roguish bad boy that sometimes plays by the rules, sometimes does his own thing. Um, and, and the, the female character that gets overlooked and underestimated, but is a total badass and can take your head off too when, when required. Um, this is, you know, again, I'm not going to compare it at the same level, but, but they're on the Mount Rushmore of top four of, of best versions of that relationship of all time. 
I absolutely agree. I think this really is a really good couple. And regardless of what happens in the mummy returns with some of the retconning, um, which I'm sure we'll get into when we talk about that movie, their, their chemistry and their bond and like how you feel about them as a couple, it, it grows in that movie. And again, that's just one of the reasons why I was so disappointed that it had to be recast in the mummy three is watching their relationship grow from the first movie to the second movie. And even just through the first movie, it again, their relationship does feel very like organic. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like that typical, like, come on, these two people would never actually fall in love or, you know, start to catch feelings for each other. It, it going through the movie, Again, I was very impressed with how organically things flowed. Yeah, it, it's um, enough good things can't be said there. And, and yet, you know, you have those elements and you get these great one liners throughout the movie that it it dabbles in so many different genres and trying to mix that many genres or that many elements together in one movie, I think in a lot of cases is trying to do too much. And we've seen that go off the rails. And yet this is like the, the near perfect mixture of everything. Like if you were making a recipe for a movie and you had all of these ingredients, it would be very easy to put in like way too much of this or way too much of that. Right. And have it not work. It was supposed to be a pinch and the top comes off the salt. Like, yep. <laughs> and it's just like, whoops, <laughs> you've added way too much. And, and we don't have that here. Just some of the one-liners that I absolutely love. Just the number of times that that Rick says goodbye, Benny, and yep. <laughs> he just leaves it behind. Is it just every time that happens, it makes me laugh. And I'm I'm thinking of another moment. So the the scene on the boat where it's burning down, and um and there's the local guy. It was actually the jailer that agrees to get him out and goes mm. with them. And he says, "What uh, what are we doing?" And he's and uh, and Rick looks at him and says, wait here, I'll go get help. And then jumps over yeah. the edge. <laughs> Just yep. like the humor is clever. The humor doesn't feel like things we've seen before. Um, you know, just even the small moments, like when, when Evie's saying, Oh, we got to go back and get the map. And he's like, Nope, got the map right here. And he just pointing at his head, just the way that, uh, Brendan Fraser commands that scene. Like I distinctly always sort of remember that line of that, of that moment for whatever reason, it just always like stood out as like something I've iconic that I've remembered about this movie. Um, but yeah, there's so many, like the score, I mentioned it, it just really helps set the action adventure comedy feel, you know, yes, there's shooting and flames and fighting, but that whole scene on the boat just feels fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, there's, there's, I just watched a man get lit on fire and another man with a, with a, a curved hook, try to destroy someone. And yet I'm laughing and having fun. This feels weird, but it works. Well, because yeah, I like right before all that though, like, Again, you talked about his, you know, his delivery and stuff like that, but not even, um, you know, not even just his delivery, but again, too, like Jonathan in those scenes, when he's talking to the other team, he's like, who says we're looking for Hamanoptera? He does. And he's just, and Jonathan's (laughs) like, well, uh, all right, guys, like no need to point. He doesn't say that, but like his face is like, no need to point like Jesus. Um, 
but you have like those scenes. You have the scene where he, like you just said, he tells him like, wait here. And he jumps over. Then when they're off the boat and even him and Benny, like even though Benny's a, yeah. a bad guy, I like their relationship too. And when he's like, looks like I've got all the horses. And he's like, looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> like it, that's a great scene. It's just, it's, it's funny when they get to Hamanoptera. Hey, O'Connell, nice camel. Like just there's humor. Then there's tension. Then there's an action scene. And again, it just balances all of these elements so well. And then again, there is a a sense of stakes when uh, stake to this movie, when Emotep summons the cloud storm. That is super cool. You know, that's that's a great effect. Like, I remember the first time watching this movie when that face pops up in that giant freaking tower of sand. That was really cool. Like, that yeah. was a really good moment. And and by 1999 standards, we had never seen that before. Right. Really. I mean, think about where the state of of special effects was at that time. And it was nowhere near what we have now. Although, again, I still don't feel like we've come that far considering how well this does hold up. Um, I want to go backtrack just for a second. You mentioned uh, how well Rick and Benny work together. I love that this movie makes that relationship very complex. And it's not just straightforward that they're frenemies. You know what I mean? There's, it's not just that Benny backstabs Rick and, and there's never a moment where they're literally trying to just kill each other, where it feels weird that they run into each other later and then like are goofing it it up and, and laughing it up and not like trying to kill each other still. Like the relationship seems very complex and you can't just nail it down in like one sentence is how you would describe the relationship. And I, I, I've always loved that about this movie that they, they just added this goofy comedic relief character, but somehow made him somewhat complex. Like even, even when Imhotep sort of grabs him, you know, it's like, you kind of understand like, dude's trying to save his own skin. Like how many other people would make that same decision? Like he's not necessarily a bad guy. You know, he's just an opportunist trying to keep himself alive. Um, Right. I I find Benny to be a really interesting, like I said, complex character and the relationship with Rick to be interesting and complex. Yes, it it is. Cause I mean, he even does like Rick still tries to save him. Yeah. Like he's not, it feels right. It feels like he would do that. He's not necessarily heartbroken, but but yeah. he 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 does try to save him. Um, I do like too. I was talking about the uh, the scene where Rick tells Emotep, "Like I'll be seeing you." But in that same scene, um, I I can't remember the exact. I, I might be reversing these lines, but he's like, "You'll be uh, Prince Emotep." It says you'll be his forever. And she's like, for all eternity, you idiot. And, like, <laughs> and just, yeah. but again, like the look on Benny's face from the actor, he's just like, hmm. <laughs> so the other part where something like that sort of comes up, and I think it might be my favorite scene in this movie. Um, towards the end, you've got, you know, your big climax, you've got the big final battle and they're trying to decode the, the gold book. And Jonathan's got it. And, and it's been established that he's got some knowledge, but he's nowhere near the level of expertise that his sister Evie has. 
and he's running around trying to decipher it. And he's describing in the middle of three different fights to his sister, what the characters are and what the glyphs are. And she's trying to (laughs) translate them while she's fighting for her own life. It is so funny and so well executed. You never feel like they're wearing plot armor. You never feel like any part of it stops being believable. And it's, it's, it's well shot. It's well edited, well paced, well acted, well executed. Just, I I think it's my favorite scene in this movie because it just works on so many levels. The, the, the amount of time that the camera focuses on each of those three main characters, um, it, it just works so well. And I laugh every time, uh, particularly because of how cool, like the special forces undead are. And, mm, and yeah. just, they seem different, you know, like instead of just throwing us regular zombie mummies, like they gave us something a little bit different, a little bit scarier, um, a, a little bit more threatening. And I just, I love that whole scene. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, that scene is probably one of my favorites. And again, it feels like a, it feels like a very good, um, it actually feels like a good climax to the movie. Sometimes those can fall short. Cause it's like, ah, eh, well that ended rather quickly. It didn't feel, you know, um, like a, like a good payoff, but I, I felt like, yeah, this, this ending battle here was actually really good. And tonally it matched the rest of the movie. Right. Exactly. It, right. That's, that's exactly what it felt like i just uh, again watching this movie i was and the the funny thing is this movie did not really it, it did not have a lot going for it when it was first announced there was a lot of um worry because the movie was not tracking well especially with the title and you know they were they were talking to test audiences about it and they thought it was going to be like this this dark tone movie so it was like well we're not going to go really see it. Cause again, 1999 different times. Um, but then I, this really did turn out to be a surprise hit for 1999. This made a boatload of money, but it wasn't really a sure thing until they really had that first test screening that audiences were like, Oh crap. Like this is really fun. And then, I mean, the only movie that beat this out when it came out is the Phantom Menace. Which again, it's Star Wars. So <laughs> yeah. if you can be the number, if, if you could be the number two movie behind Star Wars for that period of time, you're doing something right. Yeah, you came in second place to Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps. You're probably still pretty good. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad with the silver. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know it. Again, good, good score. I don't think the score gets enough credit, actually, because, Mm. again, a a score can drop a movie, in my opinion. But what is played with this fits really well in the Egyptian theme. It, It just it flows together very, very smoothly. And that's another thing that enhances a lot of the scenes is that score. Yeah, I think, again, when you're trying to go for action-adventure comedy, 
the score really does help set that mood. It sets that tone. And without the right feel there without something truly iconic and you, and you kind of need like hero and villain themes too. You need those moments where it's going to change. Like when Imhotep, you know, powers up a little bit, you'll notice there's changes in the score. Um, they feel there's a lot more of that orchestral kind of hit um, as, as he has things happen. And it really just tells you the, the audience member, how you should feel in this moment about what you're seeing on screen. Um, it's just like you ever, you ever take the Benny Hill theme song, Yakety Sax, and you just play anything, any piece of video you want in fast forward and put that underneath and it automatically makes it funny no matter what you're watching. Like it's music when used appropriately um, can completely change something or ruin it. Right. Exactly. And I do want to point out too, you know, with Emotep and credit again to the actor that when he is powering up, because it's not against our main, main characters, part of it's really cool. And I know he's literally draining people of their basically life force. Um, yeah, I mean, he does pull a dude's eyes and his tongue out of his face. Right. <laughs> but it's like, it's just done so like it's done so well again because like the effects after he does it, it, it like how he starts going from bones to somewhat flesh to mostly flesh and then he's just full-fledged you know that character again it, it's just done in a way where it looks so cool that you you kind of forget the fact that like oh yeah he's just over here killing people left and right like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and that's the other part too is um, he, while he is a villain and he does kill people, I think that he's kind of a compelling villain because you understand his motives. He had this love for Aksunaman and they were forbidden from being together. <laughs> I love the gold paint system overall. It's a very, it's a very clever, like security system, if you will. But like, you know, the the pharaoh comes in and notices the smudge like couldn't she just be like hey man you know i was just taking a nap and bumped into it like it's no big deal like nothing happened <laughs> you know like why does right. it automatically mean that she was stepping out on him or something like that i mean couldn't she just sort of like redo the paint like there's no place they could have got some paint and just kind of touched it up and fixed it and just went on their way like that was the thing but it's creative like and i love that about it but no he had they had this love for each other and they were forbidden from being together so you know, perhaps you could even say that he was justified in taking his revenge on those that harmed him because the way he was put to death was, was pretty awful. I mean, it was among the most awful ways you could do it. Um, you know, not justifying his actions, but you kind of like, okay, you, you kind of see like, this is a little bit more of a complex villain. He's not just trying to wipe everybody off the face of the planet just for fun. He's, he's trying to reunite with his, with his lost love and using anything at his disposal to, to do it and uh, not that different from, from how some people might also do that if, if they had the, those abilities and, and were put behind that kind of wall to, to be with those they love. Well, not for nothing too. I mean, they turn him into this, like they're the ones who freaking buried him and put this curse on him. If he was ever yeah. resurrected, like <laughs> could have just, could have just thrown him in jail and been done with it. But no, they yeah. had to curse him eternally. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I, I mean, part of it's not even his fault, but, um, no, I do love the paint system where he's like, her arm is smudged, and he's like, who has touched you? And it's like, so, does like, she, like, does she, she get- She never gets to just bump into a wall on accident? Right, but, like, does she get wiped down, like, every night, or, like, when does that paint get done? Is it every morning? Because does she just have to stand straight, like, does she have to fall asleep standing straight up? Like- <laughs> Right. Like, like she can't. Every yeah. time the Pharaoh leaves, like her chamber, like there's the there's just like a whole bunch of like handmaidens that come right. in to reapply the paint. Like right. how does that work? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that that part was I, I always kind of thought that part, like, well, wait a minute. Like you could just like if she ever like if she tripped and fell, that stuff would rub off. Yeah, like she never just like, you know, comes out of the outhouse or whatever they use and is like, hey, what's what's that that's missing over there? She's like, I just came out of the bathroom. Leave me alone. You know, like, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You had your bodyguard in there with me, for God's sakes. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a little creepy when you really start getting into it. Like how, <laughs> how controlling of a douchebag was the Pharaoh? But I suppose um, he had reason to be suspicious, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, he did. He did. Emotep was, you know fooling around but hire better bodyguards right right exactly he just <laughs> i love i love how the guys too um <laughs> oh man i can't even uh i i'm not even gonna say that part never mind um but yeah i i always thought that was kind of funny of that system but uh Anything else that you are going to touch on? No, let's grab some popcorn. All right. So we will do popcorn time and we're going to rate this out of five buckets. And Rob, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, If you haven't figured it out already, this is easily a five out of five for me. I love this movie. I adore this movie. We've been talking about this movie for so long um, at various points about doing this. I was really excited that when it was time to do it, I've, never once watched this movie and not had fun. Even the parts that I know very, very well, I look forward to them every time they come on. I would, I definitely recommend this movie to people who haven't seen it. Like if I'm just casually having a conversation with somebody uh, and this movie were to come up for any reason and they say they hadn't seen it, I would implore them go check this out. It is a hundred percent worth it. Um, I was actually even talking about this, uh, this movie this week with, with people at work. Um, we were discussing just a couple of things and I was just saying, oh yeah, I got to do this. I got this going on this weekend. And I was like, oh, and Matt and I are going to be talking about the mummy. And I'm really excited about that. Like I was, it was, I was excited to tell people that I was going to be watching this to talk about it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, of the people that I shared that with, they're like, oh yeah, that's really good. I haven't seen it in a while. And now I'm like, yeah, I want to go home and watch that too. So uh, easily five out of five. I uh, didn't even have to think about it a little bit. No, uh, either do I, this is a five out of five for me. It is certainly, it was great to go back and see it. I'm certainly looking forward to going back and seeing the mummy returns, but this was, you know, this was a time when movies could, you know, when movies could be fun and there were different properties coming out and, you know, it, it was good to go back to this time period. And then even so, and I'll talk about this more once the mummy, ret- once we review the mummy returns, but just seeing some of the movies that came out, um, 
during these time periods and how fun they were. And you could have lighthearted kind of like big blockbuster movies. Um, it was a good time period. It was, it was a lot of fun. Not that we haven't gotten incredible movies, you know, now. Um, but there's just something about going back and seeing this and kind of having a, a carefree movie that you could sit back, enjoy on multiple different levels. So uh, this is again, a five out of five for me. Yeah, easily, 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 easily. So that will do it for uh, our review of The Mummy. Certainly much different thoughts than the Tom Cruise version. <laughs> <laughs> much, much different. And we will be looking forward to re-watching The Mummy Returns and then giving you our thoughts on that. But Rob, before we sign off, let listeners know where they can get this review and interact with us. Oh man, listeners, you can find Macos in the movies everywhere on the internet where you already are. Certainly whatever streaming platform you are listening to this in, you can subscribe to the show. You can get the show on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, literally everywhere that you can get good podcasts. You can find Matt Goes to the Movies. Just go ahead and hit the subscribe button and just make it easy. That way, as the show has new releases, and uh, we're really excited to try to keep the release schedule up as we get through the end of the year. Uh, plus, we definitely have our end of the year, second annual end of the year uh, review coming up. So we're really, really looking forward into the year that was. And I'm personally really looking forward to it because there's so much that's even happened this year to even try to remember what was this year and last year. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one where we kind of predict the future a little bit too. So we've got that coming. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single opportunity. In the meantime, go back and listen to any episodes that you haven't checked out. Uh, there's three years plus worth of catalog that you can dig through uh, for some great times and good episodes. And make sure while you're on the interwebs that you like, follow, and subscribe in all of your favorite social media platforms. You can find Matt Goes to the Movies on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, all of them, all the good ones. Uh, make sure that you uh, like and subscribe so you can also get updates there and interact with the show. You can also send an email, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com, just the initials for Matt Goes to the Movies podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you send us your thoughts, anything you have about this, or any requests for future reviews. Always love to hear from listeners. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, and that's why I don't. <laughs> but, Rob, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.